This is your home for the Brian Hanks Show and the VSIN Sports Network. Bet on the Bull, WRNS Kinston. And now joining us on the Spence Automotive Guest Line, live from Parts Unknown. It's the Sunday sports editor of the New York Post and the fantasy madman for the that said for, uh, publication. It's our good friend. And when I say good friend, I mean good friend. Drew Loftus joining us. How are you doing this morning, my friend? Hey, Brian. Great to hear from you, my man. Uh, doing well. How about you? I Dude, uh, doing pretty good. I got to tell you, I don't know what I did wrong. With we'll, we'll do a quick uh, 2022 fantasy recap because I want yours. If you remember last year when we did this as we were prepping for the uh, 22 fantasy football season, dude, I was in nine leagues. I was coming off four championships. Two runners-up uh, had won a, a guillotine league. Uh, dude, all together in 2022, I made close to $2,000, dude. No joke when all was said and done. Ask me how I – and that was – I'm sorry, that was in the 21 season. Ask me ask, ask me how your boy did last year. I'm going to read the context clues <laughs> and think, oh, you did even better. Dude. I didn't win uh, a single uh, championship. I did play for one championship. I can say that, but of my nine leagues I was in, dude, I only made three playoffs uh, in those, made one championship, finishing the money in one, and that was and Dude, and that was like a little league. I think I made like uh, maybe, I don't even know, dude, $75 last year. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm thinking I was either too cocky or I didn't listen to you at the beginning of the season because I was like, you know what? Nobody could tell me nothing, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, well, I, it probably wasn't. It, it might have been me who helped you those times because I didn't have a very good season either. Um, the one thing I did sort of get right was the Najee Harris because I sort of yes, clear you him did. Of, yeah, the uh, the plantar fasciitis, you know, subtle butt. So I didn't really touch him very much, and he didn't he didn't play very well, you know. So whether it was actually the plantar or not, we never really got confirmation. But I'll tell you this: I, you know, you start you're reading about the turf toe with McLaurin. And that gives me similar worries. Now, I wasn't a tie on McLaurin as it would have been Najee, but, you know, one way or the other. But other way, otherwise, yeah, I'm with you. I did, did not do well last year. I have um, five, I guess, um, really what I call heart leagues, where, you know, those, those are the ones that I pay most attention to. And I did uh, pretty well in the guillotine league that I'm in with you. But in my other four, I only made the playoffs in one, got ousted in round two of that one. Missed the playoffs in the other three, including one, which is a charity league. I play with some other industry insiders that I've won a couple of times. That one, I started the season 6-0. and oh, In fact, no. there was a showdown in week six between me and Tim Cowshaw, who were both oh undefeated. <laughs> and I beat Tim Cowshaw to be the only last undefeated team at 6-0. and And I didn't win again. Oh I finished 6-8 and eight in that league. And it wasn't like one thing that went wrong. It was like everything. And it wasn't like the players went down and stopped playing. They stopped producing. You know, it wasn't, I didn't have guys I could drop and pick up anybody better. It's just, it was a, a nightmare scenario. I lost in close games. And, oh, man, that one's going to stick with me for years. That, one, that, that season did not go well. You did. Isn't it funny? It's almost like when you talk to coaches in real sports. And yes, we're talking fantasy sports here today with Drew Loftus <laughs> from the New York Post. But it's crazy. I was just talking to uh, Matt Beeman a couple of days ago, uh, the head football coach. And I know he, he was. Uh, he came along after you were gone. Although he was, I think, the quarterback of Parrot Academy when you were still here in Kinston, dude. Uh, 
Okay. Does that name sound familiar? Matt Beeman. I know you. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. But he's won four state championships now at, uh, at Parrot Academy in the 10 or 11 years that he's been there. But he's finished his runner-up twice. And it's crazy that he remembers the runner-up finishes more than he does the championship finishes. Are you the same? Because I'm sort of the same way when it comes to fantasy a little bit, dude. I remember those really, really hard losses more than even, well, I don't know. The 2021 was so special to me. It's hard to top that. But are you the same way with that? Yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've played a lot of leagues. So it's, sometimes it's hard <laughs> to remember individual leagues. But I do, like I say, I've got my sort of heart leagues. And even when I win those, I don't remember how it turned out. I just remember, oh, yeah, I won it that year. Um, <laughs> but I've got a couple of losses that just itch my crawl, you know, just from dating all the way back to like the, the early 2000s. I remember losing to a former boss of ours, Skip Foster, oh, in a, yeah. fantasy champion, a fantasy championship game. It was decided in a Monday night game between the Buccaneers and the Rams. And if you remember, the Buccaneers and the Rams had played the season before in the NFC Championship, and the final of that game was like 11-6. to six. It was a defensive struggle. There was not a lot of offense. It was a different season. The Rams didn't have much of a defense that year, and there ended up being a ton of points. I came from 100 points behind on a Monday night on the backs of Marshawn Lynch, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, Warwick Dunn, and uh, um, somebody else. I can't remember who the other one was. But uh, I had these four guys. They just raked up tons of points. And I ended up coming up just five points short. I lost that game 127 to 122. And to tell you how ridiculous the scoring is, that was with no flex position. That was with two wide receivers, two running backs, and standard scoring, <laughs> no PPR. And it was still 120 points for both teams. That's and crazy. that one has just itched me forever. Dude. And there was another one. Dude, there was another one. PPR later wasn't too, even like, thought of then, was it? No, no, yeah, that was, you know, we hadn't started to ruin fantasy at that point with the PBR. So. <laughs> what was the other one? I interrupted you there. You were getting ready to tell oh, me. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the other one, as quick as I can, um, if you remember, there was the Sean Alexander season when he broke the touchdown record. Yep. I do well, remember. The fantasy, yeah, the, the fantasy championship took place that week. And it was me and a guy I worked with at the New York Post Office, my first season there. And it was my first year in the league. And I was in the championship. And he had Sean Alexander. And it came down to whether this was the last player going. So if Sean Alexander scores a touchdown here at the end of the game, then he's going to end up winning. If they stop him, then the time's going to run out. There's going to be no one left to play for either team, and I'm going to win the game. So he gets the ball, or they, they take him out of the game at this point because now they're, they're winning. They don't need the, uh, you know, the, the game's essentially over. So they, Sean Alexander's on the bench. The backup running back breaks off a run. 30-some-odd yards, gets tackled right at the goal line. They call it a touchdown. This is it. Game's over. Seattle's not going to get the ball back. I'm going to win. But then you had replay review. They reviewed it, figured out he's down too close to the goal line. And so he, they ended up having to snap the ball again. They get it inside the one. Sean Alexander's still on the bench. He's begging Mike Homer to go in the game. Mike Homer says, no, you stay on the bench. He keeps begging, keeps begging. Finally, Mike, Mike Holmgren waves him in, sends Sean Alexander in, runs a play from the one-yard line. Scores a touchdown. Why didn't the Seahawks throw on that play? <laughs> dude, how many? Dude, that's Sean Alexander, man. That is, uh, whoa, uh, help me here. That's got to be 15, 16 years, right? And that one still is in your crawl that bad. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been 2005, I guess. That was my first year at the post. 
So, <laughs> yeah, still almost play by play. I can see it with both sides of the office, you know, going on at the time. There was my side on on one side of the post office. There was about four or five guys under their huddle with me, and there was about four or five guys huddled with Sam on the other side. Every, you know, when they're sitting there, they're home good ways. Alexander, no, stay on the bench. And they, the other side, oh. <laughs> and then they send him in at my side, oh. And then he scores, and, you know, and, oh. It was just, it was a, that was a brutal, brutal loss. Well, I have to ask you this, and I'm almost positive. Again, that voice listener is Drew Loftus from the New York Post. He's a fantasy madman. We are going to help you with your fantasy drafts. There's going to be a ton of them this upcoming week. Uh, you and I had one last night uh, that I don't know if we can uh, share the uh, uh, the results. See, we're, we're giving the uh, the feeling that this is Tuesday morning. So we had one last night in the guillotine league. How do you feel about how you did last night, Drew? <laughs> uh, that was tonight, dude. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know, I know. See, I'm trying to give the illusion that, you know, oh. this is Tuesday morning. So, <laughs> so, so, so see, why do you want to give me out? I'll do it like that. I'm thinking, oh, my God, did I miss the draft? No. I'm already worried a little bit. I'm already worried a little bit because I might be on the road when that happens. Because, oh, no. Well, actually, no, I don't have to leave tonight. The storm's not coming until tomorrow. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be so, around for the gear. Hey, let me tell you, uh, John, John, you know, John Dawson, Jonathan Massey, and I, we, we do it. By the way, dude, his daughter's birthday is today. His, two, his daughter's two year old birthday, Jonathan, is wow, today. Wow. How old do you feel now, Drew Loftus? Uh, 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 man, as soon as, they started, as soon as I started counting with a five in front, I, started, I felt just ancient. Yeah, that's true. Okay, before we wait, now we're going to break down a ton of stuff here, but I got to be selfish for a second here. I'm in a, uh, a keeper league, and it's that crazy keeper league that I've told you about. We uh, It's a keeper dynasty league that we keep 25 players from year to year to year. And uh, let me, can I tell you who some of my keepers are that I felt so good? I've been building this team. Haven't won it yet. I finished third last year, okay? And uh, I oh, really? felt really good. I think it's our this year right now is our fifth year in it. But let me tell you some of the play. Can I tell you my stars of this team, dude? Hit me. Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, okay. Najee Harris, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Alvin Kamara, okay? All right. Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you knew it was coming sooner or later. <laughs> uh, Carson Wentz. <laughs> Wow. I, I, do okay. have, I do have Trevor Lawrence, and I can, I'm proud to say I've got Darren Waller and, uh, oh my gosh, I'm trying to find my wide receivers here. Because I've got a couple of good wide receivers, uh, or I thought I did anyway. Uh, well, Odell Beckham, I've kept him for several years. Mike Evans. <sighs> have you heard of a team that's had more bad luck than that, dude? And I'm being sincere, well, man. I mean, who knew Jonathan Taylor at the end of last year? I'm like, oh, my God. You know, he had a bad year last year, but I was like, he's going to come back next year. Josh Jacobs, who had the year that he did last year. Now, it's cleared up a little bit for him, but uh, I, I'm probably not going to make the playoffs with this team this year, am I? Uh, no, you know, uh, one, it's hard for me to gauge because I don't know what any of the other rosters look like. And yeah, those yeah. are really going to be, I imagine, some of those teams are going to look ridiculous and some are going to look just pathetic but um you know there's going to be such a wide disparity in uh in talent from team to team more so than you would see in a regular redraft that's me guessing but um dude i really really like trevor lawrence this year okay. he is, i have i have him more than i have any other quarterback i own trevor lawrence more than any other quarterback um odell beckham only because of his value where you can get him so late in draft i have odell beckham more than i do any other single Singular player. What? You know, I'm up to about, yes. Yep. 
I'm up to, uh, I want to, it's over 40. I want to say like 42, 43 so far. So I'm already beat last year's 39 <laughs> league number. But uh, I have Odell Beckham right now on 48% of the rosters I've drafted. Wow. So, now, you know, like I say, I'm not expecting tons from him, but you can get this cat in like the 12th, 13th round. And last time we saw him play, he was lucky. He was on his way to a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. yeah. You know, the guy was proving he can still play football, and now he has arguably, or certainly his most explosive quarterback, if not the best passer, because maybe Stafford was a better passer than Lamar, debatable, whatever. But um, certainly the most explosive, and that can help open up, you know, the defense in the, on the back end because you've got to account for Lamar running. That can make the coverage a little easier and make it, you know, and open up Odell for bigger plays. So I do like it in that offense. I'm eager to see what it looks like now with the new coordinator. Um, he does have some guys he's going to be battling with for, uh, you know, for, for targets. But, they're, you know, those guys are going to be battling with him. So it's not like it's a clear-cut thing or that, or that he's definitively behind any of them. If anything, you know, he's got the best track record of anybody on that receiving course. So, you know, I'm liking him. Najee, I do expect him to bounce back this season. Okay. So I'm not worried about the, the stuff from last year. Josh Jacobs' situation has cleared up a bit. So, you know, I think you're going to get a good run out of him. You know, I don't know how – it's unclear how Jimmy G will affect his production compared to Carr from last season, but I expect his usage to be pretty much the same. So, you know, well, that's that, good. That is so what I was going to ask you. My gut is with them signing him to a one-year contract, they're going to run – they're going to squeeze every drop of water out of that sponge they can squeeze out of it, right? Well, yeah. I mean, cause, I, mean I expect something similar to last season. Okay. I mean, I don't okay. think the NFL teams are really um, – you know, angling like, all right, we only got this guy one year. Let's get on his back and see how far he takes us. You know, yeah. I'm certainly they're not going to worry about his future health in that regard, but I don't <laughs> think they were last year either. You know, NFL teams are heartless. <laughs> they really are. They really are. Yeah. Just like fantasy owners, and I can't believe we are 14 minutes into this interview, and I haven't asked you the question that I absolutely needed to ask you first thing. As people know, as longtime uh, listeners of the Brian Hanks Show know when you come on here, and even uh, folks that read you on the New York Post, and we try to send people over there too. How many teams did you end up with last year? You sort of alluded to it already. Where are you at right now, and how many teams do you think you're going to end up with this year? Uh, last year, I, I fell at it just 39. Really? So, yeah, I'd had, I've had a couple of down years here recently where I was hovering in the 40s. Last year, I ended up at 39. So, you know, I've had different kind of things going on in, you know, during draft season, as I call it. You know, whether it be uh, there was a, several years where I took a vacation in early August just because that's when it was easy to do it with Kim's work and all of that. Last year, we were moving, you know, and trying to sell a house. So that got in the way a lot. So I was down to 39. This year, Right now, with about a week and a half to go, I'm up to 42, 43, <laughs> thereabouts. So I've already beat last season all the way to topping 50. Um, I imagine tonight, well, we've got the guillotine draft tonight, so that's one. Yep. Um, and then yeah, tonight might be one of those two, particularly since, you know, tomorrow might be a wash for me work-wise as I uh, travel away from the storm and try to find a spot to, you know, set up so that my power doesn't go out. So, uh you know, so tonight I might be able to ride heavy on some drafts. I can do, I've got my two laptops. One of my laptops has what's called a parallel where I can open up a separate, um, you know, a separate <laughs> screen where I can run two drafts at the same time on that one. So I can run up to three drafts at once on different screens <laughs> and see them all. So, uh, and that's just, you know, those, those times when, you know, it's like, 
ding, 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 three picks right in a row. And it's a beautiful moment when that happens. Do you know how many times, and I bet there are going to be, there have been times in the past two or three weeks when, especially this past Saturday is one of them, when we did the uh, uh, the Grimes, uh, the Walrus League draft uh, at a restaurant here in Kinston. But there are at least there have been probably four or five times this preseason when I bring you up, your ears have to burn because people will bring you up. Like I was asked about you at uh, the Walrus League the, uh, draft this past weekend. I told him, hey, be sure you listen to Tuesday's show because uh, Drew's going to be joining me on that. So, uh, but anyway, just tell people how you got started in fantasy and just as for and give us the two minute version because we've done it in past years that we've had you on but uh, how in the in the year that you had the most teams ever and how you got up to that many yeah well the first year i played i was still in college we did it by the, the commissioner tallied the scores using the box scores from the newspaper the next day wow. that's how long i've been playing fantasy and i had exactly one team that first year the next year, hey, I had internet. I was up to three. The next year, I, you know, hey, those three were fun. I'm up to eight. That's when I met you. The year I had yep, eight teams, yep. one of which was the Angry Neighbors with Slingshots, <laughs> which you identified as being in the same league randomly at Fanball as the Charlotte Prozac Coffers. And, and you got to tell people this too, dude. We're we're on press row at a Carolina Panthers game when right. this happened. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So eight grew to like 21, which grew to something else. And next thing you know, you know, I'm just drafting and, you know, every year drafting scores and uh, teams. Um, eventually it capped. This was several years ago. I can't remember exactly the year. I want to say like 2013, 14, somewhere in that vicinity. It was the same season when the DFS just exploded. Yeah. So yeah. that hadn't happened yet. That didn't happen until about three or four weeks during the se- into the season when, you know, you just couldn't get away from a fan ball draft team that every you know, they would play them back to back to back to back. There would be six commercials in a commercial break, and three of them would be fanball and three of them would be DraftKings. It was ridiculous. But it was that year, um, and I ended up drafting 134 teams. Um, 134. So, dude. Yeah. And that, that was a jump from 84. I had 84 <laughs> the year before, and that was this amazing number I'd never thought I would reach. And the next season, it was 134. So I went up by 50. I went up, I almost doubled it. And I I know this is the same question I ask you every year, but people want to know, especially people who may be listening to this for the first time. You said you're over 40 right now. You have more than 40 right now, and you're probably going to – with a week and a half left, you'll probably settle what, around 47, 48, I guess? Uh, I would say the over-under is 52 and a half. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm sort of – I'll certainly be – I'm already over 40, and the idea is I want a top 50. So that's sort of a goal. So I'm shooting for that number and I figure, you know, know, I shoot for it. I'm going to hit it um, at some point beforehand. And then I'll have a day or two left over and, you know, I'll I'll get an extra draft or two. So that's just sort of what ends up. I've got to ask you, and again, I know these are repeat questions for folks who have listened to this uh, the last couple of years, but I have to ask again. How do you manage that? I mean, dude, I've got nine teams, just nine, and I'm sticking with it. In fact, I've even chopped one of those off, so I'm uh, to eight teams this year. And my Sunday mornings, dude, from basically 9 a.m. to 1 o'clock, it's packed with me getting my lineup set up, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, I've got all my stuff squared away, making sure, in, you know, that I'm not going to ha- be starting somebody injured. How in the wide, wide world of sports do you do that? And that's just nine teams, dude. How do you do that with 50 teams? 
Yeah, well, the 134 just it was just stupid. <laughs> There's no way to do that. Uh, but, you know, even as I scaled back, you know, and, and even then, sort of the habits you get in when you're trying to manage that many, um, you take shortcuts. And some teams, you just sacrifice. So what that would mean is, I, you know, for those teams I know I'm not going to be able to look at on a Sunday morning, but if that's my heart league, there's like five of those, four or five each year. So, um, and they tend to be pretty much the same league. So those are going to get attention, particularly Sunday morning. They're the almost the only ones that get attention, unless there is just another team that happens to be a click away at that same username at that same website. You know, so other than you know those four, the rest or four or five, the rest of them, you know, I'm pretty much going to have to err on the side of caution if I think somebody isn't going to play. You know, if there's a you know amount of guesswork. If I do it early enough, and I know that there's some guy that's on a bunch of my rosters and something of clarity shows up on him, I'll, you know, on those rare occasions where I have the time or think I have the time, I might try to race through a bunch of rosters and move that singular player. But it means by no means I'm not reviewing 50 rosters on a Sunday morning. You know, that's, those got dealt with Saturday night, you know, so uh, I'll take the last look on Saturday night before I, you know, after I get off work and before I go to bed, I'll, you know, do my last touch-ups on all the rosters across the board. And then Sunday morning is just, you know, that's heart league time and getting ready, which reminds me too. I'm, I'm eager to see what the YouTube Sunday ticket looks like. So, Oh yeah. We'll get to test that out in a week or two. Well, very good. That voice again, drew Loftus, Sunday sports editor of the New York post. More importantly though, to us, he is a fantasy madman. So let's jump into it. We got a, we got a good uh, 15, 16 minutes here. We can get four or five questions knocked out here. Uh, and okay. the first one to me is, uh, you know, and we get, we, I ask you this every year in this day and age, it is so hard to find, uh, you know, the sleeper pick. I mean, there's so much information out there. There's folks like you, there's, uh, you know, sites that you can go to for all that, but inevitably every year there is that player that kind of slips under the, you know, even under, uh, the best of people like you drew, but who is that person to you <laughs> right now? But I mean that, I mean, who is that? player right now that uh yes I'm, I'm asking you this as we're getting ready to draft tonight no, but but who is that who is that player or two that that you've noticed in the 40 drafts you've been in so far that you know wait a minute people are not picking this player and he's going to surprise some people this year yeah and i think it, these days i think of it more as the value picks rather than sleeper because okay. you know okay. like you say sleeper really does is a term that's sort of been rendered meaningless because somewhere there's somebody touting virtually every single player for some reason. So, you know, it's just hard to say anybody's sleeping, but I did, there are value picks. There are guys that slip. Javonta Williams was one of mine that I was harping on early. And now he's crept up He's crept up here in the past week or so. I saw him going like a fourth round. I think it last night in one draft. And I'm like, wow, you know, I had him in the queue for like two rounds later thinking I'm going to grab him before everybody else does in the sixth. You know, you could have gotten him in the ninth two weeks ago. Um, but he's a guy that's on the radar. Um, Delvin Cook still get, isn't getting traction. You know, he's still pretty deep on drafts, and that's a little surprising because I, I do think he's going to start the season as the guy who gets the largest share of that committee with the Jets. Now, by the end, I do think Brees Hall is going to overtake okay. and that there's going to be some wishy-washy in the middle. But I think to start the season, Delvin's probably going to get the bigger load just because you know, Brees is still coming off the knee thing. I don't think they're going to throw him in immediately. And he hasn't had the same amount of time. You know, Javonta had a couple of weeks on him. So, you know, there's, you know, I think, you know, he looks more ready to jump into action right now than Brees Hall does. But you can see I'm sort of on an island there because Brees Hall jumped way back up. People are back on him. So 
you know, maybe I'm missing here, but uh, I don't have a big red flag on Maurice like I did, you know, Najee last year, but one way or the other. Um, my single favorite running back pick is Khalil Herbert. Um, really? I, yeah, I was getting, yeah, I was getting him in like the 13th a couple of weeks ago. Now it's much higher than that, you know, eighth, ninth or something. But still, for a guy who could end up in a feature role on an offense that is expected to score a decent amount of points behind Justin Fields, that's a good spot to be in, regardless of who's there. And Khalil Herbert actually led the league in yards per carry among running backs last year with, a, you know, whatever the minimum carries was. You know, so it's not, not as if he's not productive. You know, we just haven't seen him in the main role yet. So now with David, uh, David Montgomery gone, you know, Khalil should get a nice amount of touches. So that's a guy I'm grabbing a lot of. Um, Rasheed White slips, particularly at Yahoo. He is ranked a lot lower than he is at ESPN, so it's easy to get him late. And he's another guy that could end up with, you know, pretty close to a feature role, if not a true feature role. And, you know, your volume is the biggest single contribute, biggest single factor to determine how your, what your fantasy uh, production is going to be, particularly a running back. So if you can get somebody with volume, it doesn't matter. They're any good. They're going to touch the ball. James Conner, same thing. Wow. Um, no, his value is not, I'm not, you know, really telling him. He goes about where you would expect him to go just because he's old. But if he stays on the field, he's going to produce. I just don't know that somebody his age with his injury history is going to stay healthy. But, um, yeah, those are some of mine. We touched on Odell earlier. Um, Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. That's the other one. I wait for somebody to pick Justin Herbert. And once that happens, my next pick, I've targeted Trevor Lawrence, whatever that pick is. Because um, normally Herbert's the one he's going right around the same time as Justin Fields. Once that happens, the next ones on the board are pretty much Trevor and Dak and Deshaun Watson. I want Trevor out of that mix because those guys I don't have as much confidence in, and everything after that gets a little bit more sketchy. But if you happen to miss, I do like Aaron Rodgers, and you can get him pretty late. So, you know, those are some guys that I do think offer some value. Well, there you go. Again, that voice you're listening to is Drew Loftus, a fantasy madman with the New York Post, joining us here on uh, the Brian Hanks Show. And i got to pay a bill here real quick. want to thank our good friends over at UNC Lenore Healthcare. They are the ex- exclusive sponsor of the big interview every day here on the Brian Hanks Show. With a medical staff of more than 100 physicians, UNC Lenore Healthcare offers a range of specialty services and technology you would only expect to find in hospitals in larger cities. Visit UNC Lenore Healthcare, 100 Airport Road, right here in Kenston for all your healthcare needs or call them at 252-522-7000. You can also email them at info at Lenore.org or visit their comprehensive website at unclenore.org. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you to our friends over at UNC Lenore Healthcare for being the exclusive sponsor of the big interview. Let's jump right back into it. It's Drew Loftus with the New York Post. Now, you were, and I've got to give you 100 100- percent complete credit for this last year you were the voice in the wilderness telling us Najee harris uh, stay away from him <laughs> and you were right you were absolutely right i mean he had a here's what i love dude you were and you are you're a student of the game you're definitely a student of the fantasy game but you said here on this show you said it in your column stay away from him and then it just it blew my mind that two weeks three weeks four weeks in the season people were like, what's wrong with Najee why is Najee <laughs> Harris not and I just wanted to every time I heard that and even on one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to all the time and we which will go unnamed I almost wanted to just send him an email and just link to you and just say hey this guy <laughs> was saying this a month ago so having said all that and dude again that, that's one of your best calls you 
I think you've made in the last five years, dude. Just again, because you were just a student of it and everybody was just touting him. Oh, my God, get him on your team. Get him on your roster. Get him, you know, in your starting lineup. And you were the one saying not to do that. Who is that guy this year? Who are the Who is he? Who are the two or three guys that Drew Loftus? You're talking about all these players that you've got that you have avoided like the plague that is not on any of your rosters, if at all possible. Now, I don't have anybody as – um, that I'm staunchly as avoiding as um, as I was Najee last year, just because that was a red flag that really jumped out at me for a guy going that high in the draft. Um, but in general, I, I mentioned McLaurin with a turf toe, you know, so that's worrisome. Okay, say um, that again. Who? Uh, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin um, from the Commanders, yes. Right. You know, so there's, there's been talk of him with turf toe. Um, dude, dude, I got to tell you, you got, I've interrupted you. You got to remember, I've told you this since I met you. Yes, you're from Shelby, North Carolina. You work for the New York Post. But good God almighty, dude, you are the fastest talker. <laughs> so you're, you're McLaurin. Sound like McLaurin. McLaurin. I'm like, who, who is he talking? Like, tell Terry McLaurin. Okay. So please, please continue, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I'm, uh, you know, I've got the southern in me, but I've uh, been up north so, so long that there's like a two-block radius somewhere in Virginia where I can go and people understand me. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, so there, there's nobody that jumped out quite to the degree that Najee um, did last year, but I haven't gotten a lot of, um, C.D. Lamb is not a guy I'm, I'm drafting a lot, not necessarily because I'm down on him. But if I'm picking between A.J. Brown and Devonta Adams and Garrett Wilson and some of these, uh, Amon Ross and Brown, some of these other guys in that same vicinity of wide receiver, I like all of them better than C.D. Lamb. Okay. And, and why, is that? Those- why is that? Because you would figure, and let me just interrupt you from a novice's point of view like myself, I would think, well, they, you know, they're only going the one running back, and I know they run heavy in Dallas, but I keep hearing they want to throw more. They want to throw more in Dallas. I would think C.D. would be somebody that we don't try to throw to more this year. Yeah, and uh, I'm expecting them to throw more um, it, because they've got a, you know a new offense that is supposed to at least be more of a West Coast ish type of affair. But um, and the, Tony Pollard as your main back, you know, one we don't know what his durability is going to be like. We haven't seen him in that role yet. We've seen him you know part time do really well, but those guys don't always do the same when you put them in full time. So so we'll see there. So that could even lend itself to more passing. But I also think that he's he might be thrown to some different people, that it's not all going to be said so definitively to C.D. Lamb. You know, if Michael Gallup's healthy, you've got Brendan Cook there now. You know, the, the new, you've got a new tight end, but, you know, they didn't do a whole lot with Dalton Schultz last year, so I don't know what you can expect out of Jake Ferguson, but you, know, you can even throw to Pollard out of the backfield. But it's not, like I say, it's not so much of them down on C.D., but I really do like those other guys. I love A.J. Brown and what he did in Philly last year. He scores touchdowns. You, know, you got to like that. You know, Amon Ra gets a ton of looks in Detroit, and that offense was fierce and doesn't look to be, you know, taking a step down in any stretch. Garrett Williams is one of my – or uh, Garrett Wilson is one of my favorite picks because I do expect that Jets offense to look pretty good with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. And, um, you know, we saw in the little limited preseason action, sort of, you know, and that can be a tease, but that's what I've sort of expected to see in the regular season. You know, once they would arise was, you know, that kind of Aaron Rodgers to, to Garrett Wilson – um, you know, frequency and production, and we got a taste of that in, in the game on Saturday. So, you know, Devontae Adams, you know, he just he scores. That's all he does everywhere he goes, except for that one season. I drafted him in the Hanks League. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the losses stick with you. Um, yes, you know, they the do. CD's one of, you know, CD's one of those up, up north that, you know, up, at the top of the draft that I just haven't um, touched on a lot. Oh, the, the Detroit Lions running back, the Gibbs, whose first name I won't even try to pronounce. Um, 
I'm, I haven't dra- I've drafted him on exactly one team, and that was a team. The name of that team is Bizarro Team. <laughs> so he was purposefully drafted with players that I don't normally draft. And Jamar Gibson, Jamar Gibson is on that team. And I don't expect him to perform to draft value, not because I'm down on him or the Detroit offense, but one, Detroit has not produced a consistent, reliable fantasy running back since who? Like what, James Stewart? Do we yeah. have to go all the way back to Barry Sanders? It's been forever. You know, when we tease these guys, you know, DeAndre Swift could have been that. They just didn't use him right. Now hopefully Philly will. But why do I expect them to do something different with Gibbs? And they've brought in David Montgomery, and I think he's probably going to be a touchdown vulture. So Gibbs is a guy, he's going there in a spot where I would much rather, much rather have Travis Etienne. I like Najee Harris in that realm, yeah. you know, more so than I do uh, Gibbs. Ramonde Stevenson, I think people are getting scared off of him because of Zeke, you know, landed in New England. But I think Ramonde's still going to get the bulk of those carries. So, you know, so there's a couple of names out there that I don't have a lot of at this point, and those are some of them. There you go. Last question for you here. And uh, I'll tell you what, could we get you back on here maybe uh, in a week? I mean, maybe going into uh, uh, going into the first night. And I, I would like to, if you could, I mean, maybe we could uh, get you on here maybe on a monthly basis or something if your schedule uh, will work around that. But I got to ask you, the Jonathan Taylor thing, too, to me, uh, has been the big story all year. I mean, he was projected as maybe – uh, you know, a top five overall pick, maybe a top two or three running back pick early. I mean, you know, before all this happened with the uh, the uh, with his contract stuff, and now they've given him permission to uh, <laughs> to uh, get find a trade. Although that is going as we're we're playing this on Tuesday. I mean, we're recording this Monday afternoon. Who knows if that's even going to happen? Te- the te- what is going to happen with Jonathan Taylor? And realistically, realistically, Drew Loftus, where should he be being drafted right now? Man, that's a good question because this guy has been up and down and all over the place. But I've tried to stay firm on him, and now I'm finding myself getting a little wishy-washy. So, I mean, it, it sort of progressed like this. You know, I, I wasn't scared at all of Jonathan Taylor, you know, because he did have a down year, but I expect him to bounce back. We're one season removed from him being the top fantasy running back, the consensus number one overall fantasy pick, and he had a bad season. But he's still young enough. He can bounce back. The, the offensive line is still good. You've got new coaching, so that they I mean, should be able to utilize his talent. You know, so I'm on. I'm fine with Jonathan Taylor. Love scooping him up in the second, third round. The contract situation's okay. Here it comes. Those things tend to work themselves out. More more often than not, well before the season starts. You know, we've seen you know, just recently with Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. You know, those kind of things just tend to shake out. You know, very rarely do we see a Zeke Elliott hold out until two – or not Zeke Elliott, sorry, going even back further. Um, <laughs> Elliott, uh, Elliott uh, Emmitt Smith hold it out two weeks into the season after the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. That doesn't happen very often. But people now will point to the Le'Veon Bell year. Well, look, he could sit out the whole season. That is such a remote outlier. That's happened exactly one time. Wow. (laughs) That's not what I want to bet on when I'm making these kind of decisions. So I haven't been shy about Jonathan Taylor. I was grabbing him certainly when he was slipping into the third round. I started scooping him up all the time. And then the trade stuff came out, and that's the first time where it really started to shake my confidence on him a little bit. So now when I see him there in the third round, now I'm passing. Um, and now I'm going back to some of those guys we mentioned before. You know, I'm going to more Travis ETN. I'm going to more Najee, going to more Ramonde, those kind of guys. Uh, You know, but if I'm looking even in the fourth round, I may, you know, at that point, I'm looking at Jonathan Taylor saying, you know what, it might still shake out. And if he gets on the field, I'm not worried about it. You know, I'm not worried about him being angry and not performing or, 
you know, that kind of thing. I'm not even too worried about him turning into a Lamar Jackson type of situation last year where I don't have a contract. I might be hurt. I might not. So I'm not going to play. These guys need, you know, to perform in order to even remotely hope to get the contract because they don't play quarterback. They play running back. And they don't get the money the way these other positions do. So they do have to get out there. They have to put their bodies on the line. That's the only way they even get remotely considered for a contract. And then, you know, otherwise they become another Calvin Cook, you know, and and Zeke Elliott and these guys who just end up as vagabonds who are floating around the league taking contracts where they can get them, hoping for playing time. And uh, the best let, way to do that? Is, let me you know, ask you this, dude. I paid $40 for him in an auction league thinking, and the, and the draft was la- not this past weekend, but last weekend. And I thought, kind of like you, I was like, I'm not going to be scared off. And here's the crazy thing. I opened the bidding at $40 for him. No one else even sniffed. I got a couple of chuckles. I probably could have gone <laughs> 30, couldn't I? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's ah! the one thing. Yeah. In auction drafts, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll say this, I haven't done an auction yet this year. I love auctions. They are the best. I just haven't had time to sit down and do one because they take so long. Yeah. But that is such, such a better format for drafting. So so superior, I can't even explain. But um, <laughs> yeah, they, I almost never post a high number when I, when I you know, nominate a player. I'm going to go as low, lower than I think he's going to go for, you know, whether I want him or not. You know, so first off, I'm probably not going to nominate somebody, particularly early on. I'm probably not going to nominate somebody that I actually want on my team. I'm going to put guys out there that I don't want so that other people, you know, spend their capital on them and they can get in bidding wars for Jameer Gibbs, you know, (laughs) go ahead and take this guy. That's, you know, a few well, less dollars I have to compete with later when my players roll up. Well, this, but, is, um, a, this is a long-time auction league that has been – it's the one I've told you about before that we do up in Raleigh, and uh, Justin Jefferson went for $71, dude. Oh, oh out of 200 <laughs> Out of 200 yep. Yeah, that's, that's rich. Yeah, that was very rich. Hey, Drew, man, thank you so much for joining us here. Of course, I knew time was going to run up on us. Let's get you back <laughs> wow. on here next week going into uh, the first – could you do that? Man, tell me what you need. I, you know me. <laughs> You're I will the best. sit here and talk for two hours if you let me. I love it. Listen, avoid the storm. I hope you find a good Wi-Fi signal somewhere to get your work done tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you next week then, okay? Absolutely. Take care, my man. Good to talk. Today is Tuesday, August 29th in the year of the Lord, 2023. What do you guys say we play the birthday game? Sounds like a I like it. Uh, yes, John Dawson, you had a pretty commanding win yesterday, four to one. You got to win the rest of the week. We've got three more left here in the month. You have got to win these last three to win the month. Do you have it in you? Probably not. <laughs> At least he's honest. Do you want to have it in you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Well, it's eight days to six here in, uh, in August. I know it's the 28th, but you got to remember, I had a, I had a, or today's 29th, I had a vacation, you know, stretching to the first week of August. So cut it a little bit short here again in Aha! the month of August. Yeah, indeed. Oh, wait, it benefited me. Never mind. There you go. It has benefited you. Hey, uh, John Dawson, we're going to go a little, short, a little bit shorter today since we went so long yesterday. Uh, why don't you tell us about uh, Goeco Office Automation, the YEO title sponsor of the birthday game. Well, Jacques Passeleg is a saint, not just because he sponsors this segment of the show. through. But his it company. helps. With his <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Please continue. If he was a real saint, he probably wouldn't have anything to do with us. But anyway, since he does, uh, Goeco Office Automation is the place you need to go if you're thinking about uh, 
uh, getting your life in gear if you're just sitting around eating uh, Cheetos and watching reruns of uh, uh, The Price is Right on cable. Golden Girls. Back to you, Brian. <laughs> that is the joke. That is the joke. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan Massey. Yes, Brian. You know how to get in touch with Jacques Passelaire, right? That I do, and I will quickly give you the number today. Why don't you give that to me, by God? It's 252. 252. 286. 286. 53. 53. 54. 54. Or you can that visit one. his website, so go <laughs> or what is goeco.com for more information. This is me gouging my eyes out because, well, no, I don't want that to be the last thing I saw, okay? You want to describe, or we're we just going to move on. Jonathan Massey was checking himself for ticks. <laughs> yes, that's a good way to put it. And I'm sorry. I'm apologizing you here on the air. I, I did not mean to interrupt you. I really did. Cuss him out. Hit me with a stick. Uh, well, this stick's been through enough tonight already. <laughs> yes, it has. Okay, you mean this morning? So anyway, uh, John. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play Pearl Jam under this whole show. Oh, please don't do that. Okay. Hey, this is our first uh, birthday. Uh, she was, uh, I can't believe this. I guess this, you're right. I've got to where I can't trust <laughs> Apple Music. But yeah, this came out. I'm not, I thought this came out when I was in high school, and it did, 1987. This is Girlfriend. I love this song by Pebbles was her name. Perry Reed, Pebbles. I remember someone going by the name Pebbles. Yeah, just uh, easy on the eyes. I know. Go ahead and say it. Yeah, it's a shocker. Yeah. But, uh. Who'd have thunk it? Hold on. I love this song. Here you go. Here you go. Woof. He's just a canine running around in heat, and then somebody goes, woof. I just always Subtext thought that was really is cool. amazing. It is, it is. Very subtle, right? Yeah. Here's this chorus. You know you are the best he ever had. Oh, 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 oh. girlfriend. Please from the album heard. Flea Dip. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's from. <laughs> Wait, was man. she a big Flintstones fan? Oh, that would have been good. Oh, uh, oh, oh. Uh, it's from the album Pebbles. <laughs> You're making a face. Is it not delicious? The, the Reed's Ginger Ale is delicious. This song is horrible. I thought it was a good song anyway. Oh, Every song, there's like 900 songs that sound just, there's nothing that distinguishes that song. Okay, Pebbles. Harry Reed, how old is she today there, John Dawson? 52. Is she 52? Okay, well, I don't know. Okay, you guessed 52. What is your guess, Jonathan Massey? 51? I don't know what's going on. You're making a face like we the should know. The song came out in 1987. Okay, okay so she sounds like she's 18. I don't know. She would have been 16 when it came out, according to you, and 15 according to you. So what's, the, what's your point? She was born August 29, 1964. So There's plenty be, of songs that came out at that time where they were 16. Well, there you go. She doesn't really sound like she's, you know. Well, she was 23 when B. this came Arthur out. on this track. I, I didn't even think to do math. I was just following his lead. Well, you you chose poorly. My math okay. won't math them. Your math was not math. I mean, in that indeed. picture you showed me, she did not look like she was on Social Security. <laughs> <laughs> There's other fish in the sea. 
Okay. He's a lead guitarist and banjo player for this band. There's the banjo right there. Matchbox 20. Yep. I'm in trouble because I do not know who the lead guitarist is. I just know Rob Thomas is the lead singer. I don't know. Really? I just know Rob Thomas works at Wendy's. No, no, that's Dave Thomas. That was his dad. He worked there. Kyle Cook. See, he was a cook. <laughs> Cooking him square hamburgers. I'll say this. Wendy has a, Wendy's has a fine hamburger. It does have a good hamburger. If is you're not in a hurry. Yeah, if you're not in a hurry. Is it grilled or is no, it? No, it's a, fried. It's fried, okay. Good hamburger, though. Don't you agree? It's fine. Yeah. But this is uh, Unwell by Matchbox 20, and you heard that banjo there at the very beginning. I picked it because you, so you could hear the banjo. Uh, Kyle Cook. Jonathan Massey, today is his birthday. How old is he? And I don't know why. But I'm not crazy. I'm just a little unwell. I know. 51. You say 51. What do you say, John Dawson? Matchbox 20. You've, I've never asked you about Matchbox 20. I'm, I'm neutral. Yeah. I know Massey likes him. Prozac likes him. So I'm just. I like I Matchbox mean, 20. Yeah. I'm probably neutral plus. I'm not like a huge fan. But, I mean, I, I, they've got four or five songs. I, I like. have no issue with Matchbox 20. There you go. You said what? I haven't. What did you say? 51? Oh. 51, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So. Oh, boy. 52. I don't know. He was born August 29th, 1975, so he's 48 today. So, uh, is it a, well, it's one-to-one, -one though, right? Yeah, yeah because you got the first one. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a break just for a moment from music. Uh, our last two are dead people, and they have, uh, they have uh, their musicians, so we'll get to that. But you brought this up the other day, so this is why I'm doing this birthday right here. She was Lana the Prostitute in uh, Risky Business with Tom Cruise. It's... I don't know. I was talking about the music. I don't know who the actress was. Oh, I thought you were talking about... Uh... I, I, we're, I'm taking Prozac, my buddy, to see Tangerine Dream in concert. They did the soundtrack to that movie. Then I put a clip of them playing the song, which I know you didn't click on, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I'm sorry. The song is called Love on a Real Train. Because I said, you remember the train scene? And I, yes. And I put a clip of them playing. The this actress was in it. And this is what will give what should give it away. There was a Seinfeld character with her name. Rebecca De Mornay. Mm -hmm. Rebecca De Mornay. De Mornay, yeah. yeah. Do, do you not remember the Seinfeld uh, when they went, when uh, George tried to take the uh, book back that he had taken used in the bathroom? Yeah. And he takes it to this, uh, what well, I guess like a Barnes and Noble or something. No, 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 no. It was like, a, well, he tried Barnes and Noble first, and that wouldn't work. But then he's like, I just want to donate. He didn't even want money back. He was going to donate it to yeah. uh, like a secondhand place. Been flagged. And exactly. And Rebecca De Mornay, or however you say her With name. With the cashier. And she's like, you can't bring this book back here. It's a bathroom book. Why are you trying to, the homeless, they don't need, they don't want a bathroom book. That's what she said, remember? So he took it to the bathroom. He said, I find the pastoral images. All right, George, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. But Rebecca De Mornay, and again, uh, if you've seen uh, Risky Business with Tom Cruise, the train scene. Uh, That's enough. No, go ahead. He can do that. Go ahead. Oh, oh, oh. Indeed. Grr, indeed. Uh, Rebecca De Mornay Dawson, it's your turn. It's tied one to one. How old is she today? Uh, 70. You say 70. Did you see uh, Risky Business? I'm really. assuming it was like an 80s movie. Early 80s movie, yeah. But it was a, 
it was a good movie and uh, that's for, i think it's the first movie tom cruise well no he was in uh, the football movie where he was a quarterback before that but he had small role this was his breakout role yeah th- yeah it's a good way to put it this was his breakout I think it was, role. was it 82 84 <laughs> what did you say 82 84 the 83 split, yep okay. split right down the middle it was 1983 yep so 40 years ago yeah golly dude. oh I saw that, I believe, over at Bobby Billings' house. Uh, they it, they had rented it or whatever because it was on uh, on the VCR. We didn't have a VCR at the time, and uh, he had some some people over, and we watched it. And I don't, we were not ready. Uh, we watched it down in his basement though, and uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. See, seventy is a perfect guess because I don't know how old the character was because I've never seen the movie. I want to say 71, but I'm going to say 69. That was a good guess. She was born August 29th, 1959, so she's only 64 today. Mm. So think about that. She was 24. If you said it right. It's 40 years ago. She, she was 24 in that, dude. Well, I mean, she was a little older than Tom Cruise's character, I remember. She was a queen of blue, queen of the blues until her death in 1963. So she died 60 years ago. This is what's incredible. She was married seven or eight times, although, or she she claims she was married seven times. There are people that write and say she was married at least eight or nine times, and she died in 1963 after spending a night with her sixth husband, okay? He woke up and found her unresponsive and all that. An autopsy re- revealed there was a lethal combination of uh, bar- barbiturates, uh, prescriptions for her insomnia, and a diet which contributed to her death. It's... Can't hear. Laverne Baker, I don't know. Dinah Washington. Well, okay. Dinah Washington. And just, you talk about living a life, this woman lived a life, okay? I mean, just, like I said, married at least seven times, and there are accounts that have her being married eight or nine times. She dies in bed with her sixth husband. Seems excessive, Brian. It does seem excessive, John. <laughs> uh, Dinah Washington, how old is she? Would she be today if she were still alive? She died again, like I said, dude, in uh, 1963, so 60 years ago. One oh two. You say one oh two. What do you say, John Dawson? I'm sorry. I, I, I no, you're good. Well, we'll, we'll get a chance to listen to it a little bit more. Oh, by the way, this is Blues Ain't Nothing But a Good Woman. Uh, 106. You say 106. She was actually born August the 29th in the year of our Lord, 1924. So she would be 99 if she were still alive today. And you know what this means? Game, set, match. Jonathan Massey has wrapped up the month of August. So congratulations, dude. <laughs> he's waving. Tell him what he's doing. Waving and pointing to people that aren't there. <laughs> to the crowd. You know what this means we can do? You want to do a uh, who sang it to, to wrap up the month on? Because uh, we still got two days left. Sure. We'll do that on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, that'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. Hey, uh, last birthday. Uh, not that it matters now because uh, Jonathan Massey has already clinched everything. Did you not find that fascinating, though, about Dinah Washington? I never knew she had that many husbands. So she was she died when she was 39 then, okay? Mm-hmm. 
and had at least seven husbands. I, I don't know, man. That just, I don't know why. That just. Uh, Fun carving that estate up. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're right about that, man. Man, I, I'm going to play the song that I like, one of the songs I like the most by him. And you uh, pick one yourself. This is another person who has passed away. I cannot believe he died this long ago. He died in 2009, so he's been dead for uh, 14 years. Michael Jackson. It is Michael Jackson. Why didn't you just go ahead? You, your little interpretive dance had me frozen. Did you like the interpretive dance? No. This is Smooth Criminal. This is my, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite Michael Jackson song? You're probably neutral, right? Uh, or are you? Billy Jean's got a great bass line. And I, I always think of Steve Martin. There was this show called The New Show that was all the old SNL, right? I, anyway, Steve Martin did a bit where he was doing the Billy Jean video. And he, you know, when he stepped on the blocks, they would light up. And he got to one block that would not light up, and he started stomping it. And it, it was just really, I think of Steve Martin when I hear Billy Jean. That's pretty funny. Michael Jackson, uh, neutral, neutral plus. As far fan. as just his music, he had some good stuff. Yeah, I, he you know, he I started agree. calling himself the king of pop. I mean, but, you know. I just. I, I hate the way, I hate the what his dad did to him. I hate what his dad did to him. Linda and I were talking as about As far him. as the other stuff, I wasn't there. I don't know. I, I cannot do anything but agree with you, yeah. dude. I think he had bad people around him yep. who used him and abused him. And uh, who knows? Who knows? But he, he, you know what? He was a heck of a musician. Yeah. And he really was. Well, dude, you're younger than uh, John and I. Your thoughts on Michael Jackson? I, I like his stuff. I mean... As far as it being a great musician, obviously, uh, heck of a choreographer. Yeah, um, he did his best stuff solo when he was with Quincy Jones as a producer, um, like like this. Yeah, oh Thriller. Yeah, come on, man, Thriller. That it, in the in the pantheon of albums, dude. I think every song was a top ten song except for one or two. Or I don't know about top ten, but it's they like six were six or seven. Yeah. yeah, that one in Born in the USA had like seven singles off of them. Yep. I mean, um, the guy had ridiculous work ethic, which is not really what killed him, but I mean a little bit. You know, he was having to hire a doctor to medicate him just so he could recover from I just, I wonder what he would have been like with better people around him, John. And I well, mean, Just a different insane. father. That would have, do, yeah. that was 80% of it. Michael Jackson, John Dawson, how old would he be today? Like I said, he passed away 14 years ago. 40 years? How, how long ago? 14. Uh, 14. 14, okay. Yeah, 2009. Yeah, 40. Um, you remember who passed away? You remember this. You remember who passed away the exact same day, year, everything? Like a couple hours before him. And yeah. And got completely overshadowed. You remember, don't you? Face. Um, yep. It was a woman. Farrah Fawcett. Fawcett, yeah. yeah. And that broke my heart, man, because, of course, when Michael Jackson dies, man, the whole world. And she just, I just always felt like she deserved a little bit more, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't his fault, obviously, that he died, but I always thought she deserved a little more. 
for uh, you know. 72. You say he would be 72 today. What do you say, Jonathan Massey? I'm going to say 71, but my official guess would have been 67. He was born August 29, 1958. He'd be only 65 today. Oh, I thought he was older than that. Yeah, so he died, what, 14 years ago? So he was only 51 when he died. Because the Jackson 5 from the Ed Sullivan show in the 60s, I guess. I, he was like my six or seven off. years old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Uh, hey, local birthdays. Uh, Lynn Hart. Oh, you win today. Four to one. You win the month. Nine days to six. Congratulations, Jonathan Massey. Uh, local birthdays. Lynn Hartzell. I mean, one of the legends in our neck of the woods. Uh, Paul Chusid. Uh, and I got to say a little bit more about Lynn Hartzell. Just uh, one of the guys who really welcomed me to uh, Kinston and Lenora County. And uh, just very appreciative of everything he helped me in my career. Thank you, Coach Hartzell. Paul Chusid, uh, one of the movers and shakers in our neck of the woods too has an incredible wife and debbie and just a, a very good guy uh brad Siton, a guy that i uh, worked with at the gas and gazette we called each other homie he was homie brad i was homie hanks uh just uh so uh, he'll always be homie to me uh former jones senior head football coach john davis today is his birthday too thank the world of him michelle collins do you remember her you worked with her at free press she did layout with uh Richard Clark. She, you didn't see much her because she would always get there a little bit later, probably. Yeah, I was an early shift guy. You were an early shift guy because you always did the crime reports and everything. You were trying. We try to get you out of there for what three or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, she wouldn't get there till probably four because she'd be there from four to midnight laying pages out. Incredible, one of the best designers I ever worked with. Richard Clark will tell you that too. One of the absolute best designers. And then uh, David Blackburn. He's the husband of Katie Blackburn, and we worked used to work with Katie and uh, the Free Press. Uh, but he's a great guy. I've gotten to know him through the years, too. Uh, he gave us, got to tell you, uh, Linda and I went to Detroit, what, six years ago, where the, when we first started dating. And uh, we went to Detroit, which is where they live. And he gave us the best tour of Detroit. It was awesome. And uh, that was at that time when Detroit was still getting beat up and everything, and everybody was talking stuff about it. And he took, we went on a walking tour of downtown Detroit, and it was awesome. I mean, it was actually very awesome. And think the world of him so if today is your birthday like david blackburn michelle collins coach john davis brad homie satan paul chusid the great lynn hartzell michael jackson who wants to give me an i'm not doing that yeah i don't think i, I don't think it's in my range there you go you want me to do it again <laughs> there you go was that good that's a, did i do a good impression sure there you go <laughs> have a great birthday we'll see you tomorrow we will uh in fact we'll do uh, a who sang it tomorrow mm. but it'll be brought to you by go eco office automation give me give me give me give me indeed congratulations jonathan massey for winning for the second month in a row here on the uh the birthday game and uh just continuing his dominant ways uh listen uh as we wrap up today's show Thank you again so much to our first hour guest, Richard Clark. Uh, just a, a great appearance by him, as always. Really appreciate him. And then Drew Loftus. Uh, man, you want to know anything about fantasy football, and I should have told you this. Uh, you, you can uh, follow him on Twitter, too. Uh, just a great follow. He's an absolute great follow. So, uh, tomorrow's show, we will have Michael Martin live here in studio. And then we will have uh, da, 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 Catherine Pearson making an appearance uh, from uh, LCC. Both of them live here in a plush, well-lit, well-protected studio here on Whitehall Drive. Listen, have a great, great Tuesday. Uh, get your mind right for Adelia, which looks like it's going to be hitting us here probably uh, late Wednesday, early Thursday. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Brian Hanks Show, presented by Lenore Community College. Mm -hmm.